Welcome back to the PetCash Pod presented by Profluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew PetCash. You can listen to all the other podcasts at profluence.com slash podcasts, founders, investors, executives, athletes, and the smartest people in sports. Today's guest is James Kimball. He is a former senior vice president at the WWE and UFC. He is now launching his own NIL boutique agency, Novo Sports Group. We talk about uh, his journey there. He created the WWE NIL program, which was super innovative at the time and still is today. And, uh, you know, what he looks at in the agency space and NIL, where it's all going, and uh, a lot of great insights. I certainly learned a bunch. You will as well. Let's dive in. James, appreciate you coming on, brother. First off, congrats on uh, launching Novo. Excited to dive in that today. So, uh, Andrew, thanks for having me on. Thanks for this discussion. I look forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, right in my wheelhouse. Athlete business, NIL, sports rights, you know, it's, it's just buzzwords right away. Everything. It. Is there, uh, is there a, uh, a meaning behind Novo? Is that stand for something? Is that a... Yeah, a little bit. What's the... Yeah. Look, I, it's funny. Um, trying to come up with a name for a business is an interesting exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's obviously two different ways you can take it, right? Like, like a namesake uh, or, you know, try to find some type of analogous term to what the, what the business is or the industry that it exists in. Uh, Novo is uh, an origin word uh, for, for new, uh, innovative. And, uh, it has a lot of ties into Thing that is different, unique, uh, being a new perspective. And for me, that hit a couple notes because new personally, right? So working on the corporate side for the entirety of my career to launching my own venture, that's new, that's different. Uh, focus of the firm being NIL, obviously that is, that is a new burgeoning industry for everyone. And then the athletes and the brands, uh, you know, the clients of the roster that, that I'm, I'm looking to bring onto the group are young and emerging by nature. Uh, well. So fresh, different, innovative, all of those came together and, uh, yeah, I was trying to, you know, find something that, that stood out a little bit different. So that is the, it's the origin of Novo sports. Yeah. That's cool. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure, what is yeah. that Latin in there? Yeah. Latin, exactly. I figured. Yeah. 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 So yeah. when you get a tattoo of it, when it works well, you can just get your like little Novo and yeah, I'll be perfect. That's it. That's it. Uh, it looks good. It's a good looking word. So yeah, tattoo is not a bad idea. Nice and short too. Yeah. No, it's perfect. Yeah. On yeah. a, so I know you've probably been thinking about this for a long time behind the scenes, but it's relatively new, you know, publicly. What have been some of those learnings or, or you know, quick lessons you've had to take from the corporate world now into your own thing? Because I'm sure it's, a, it's not entirely new, but it's a, you know, it's a big step for a lot of people. It is. It's, it's a real big step. I, I tell you, I mean, it's, it's probably a lot of the same feedback that other entrepreneurs and, and, and founders, you know, may have at the launch or start of a new venture. And uh, it's also for me been the most rewarding part. And that is waking up every morning and setting the direction of what I'm going to achieve that day, that week, that hour, that minute, understanding that whatever is in front of, of me, i.e. The, the agency is, is of my choosing and uh, kind of freedom is really rewarding and the ability to quickly react and maneuver based off of you know, where I see something going or a conversation I've recently had or something that I've observed, you know, that, that freedom in a way is almost jarring. It's really, it's motivating, but there's also a degree of pressure that comes with that because you're not walking into, you know, a headquarters or office building and you have a pretty good understanding of, of what your, your day or week or month looks like. I would walk into 
you know, headquarters at, you know, whether it was at WWE or, or UFC and, and had a very clear understanding of what my day looked like. My, my calendar was, was full every 30 minutes. That doesn't exist currently, right? In terms of, you know, a calendar with this meeting and that meeting. So a lot of it is, a lot of it is to myself. All of it is up to myself right. to, to understand where to take it, where to push. That's, that's been the most interesting thing, just adapting to it. Yeah. And before we get too far into it without, you know, explaining to anyone, you know, what exactly are you building at Novo? And, uh, I mean, you can go as deep as you want, want into it right here and we'll keep, you know, picking off little things as sure. we go, but that's, that's probably good for sure. us to, to do before we're, you know, yeah. 15 minutes in and people are like, wait, what, what is Novo? Yeah. It's, it's pretty straightforward agency. Uh, see with the, with the primary focus on athlete representation, the primary emphasis of that being collegiate athletes. So obviously, you know, operating in NIL, obviously, which we'll, we'll dive into a ton. And obviously working with emerging brands and properties as well. Uh, bringing on those type of clients, but for most part, the, the focus of, of the agency, the firm is athlete representation. And again, with an, with an emphasis on the collegiate athlete. So that's, that's the high level, pretty straightforward business. Nothing that anyone hasn't already seen. Again, obviously in, in my view, something that the industry, uh, say demanded, but there was clearly an opportunity, not just for my agency or other boutiques and startups that have entered the space and found success. I think more will come. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what the agency is. Yeah. And I know you had a big part in the WWE's NIL program when you were there. And if you can go through some of that, what it was, you know, your participation and how you thought about it day to day, I'm so involved at looking all this stuff. So I remember it pretty clearly. I know like the Cavenders were involved and probably still are, it's probably still going. Right. But for a lot of people, it's probably like, oh, I've never heard of this. Right. And, and I thought it was probably like the first of its kind of like a bringing a bunch of ambassadors. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it was, I mean, objectively saying it, it was really groundbreaking and, and pioneering in the space. I mean, I think it launched, you know, just a couple months after NIL itself launched. So the, the role that, that I had most recently at WWE was overseeing essentially we at WWE, we called it talent strategy, um, talent, meaning athlete. So the, the in-ring performance for WWE, I oversaw the athlete, um, strategy and development group. Uh, within the company, there was a real kind of reflection internally around understanding, okay, where's the next generation of talent coming from? How do we identify that talent? How do we recruit that talent? How do we find meaningful ways to engage that talent? Wasn't easy to answer. You know, the, the historical kind of you know, process for talent coming into WWE has always been through smaller you know, wrestling promotions. So w within its own bubble, within its own, you know, kind of ecosystem within professional wrestling, you know. Not too dissimilar from, from, you know, other sports, particularly combat sports, uh, you know, of which, you know, we can dive into, you know, my, my previous tenure at UFC as well. But as, you know, WWE grew, you know, over the years and decades, a lot of those smaller promotions started to dry up. So the talent pipeline uh, wasn't as robust as it once was. So this is, you know, early 20, you know, end of 20, early 21, where we do a lot of internal reflection on understanding, okay, how, how do we execute on this? And that's when the conversation around NIL started to take place. And, you know, we knew we wanted to get younger. We knew we wanted to get more athletic. We knew we wanted to get more diverse, young, athletic, diverse college athletes. Mm. It was, it was right there in front of us. Uh, so the timing could not have been better. And, and timing is, is, you know, obviously a, a key factor in any type of, of, of opportunity, which we, we certainly found um, there. A couple of specific examples though, that really kind of served as a, a catalyst for, for that program to, to launch. Obviously you look, when you're, when you're pitching something you know, new and not just new to the company, but new to the entire sports industry, 
it, it's, it takes a while to sew that through, um, you know, so it, it took some time to, to find ways to, to navigate internally around, okay, this, this is the right pathway for us. We can execute this. There's, there's little risk. This is the vision. So, you know, you, we, we always would say, you don't necessarily want to be first, but you know, you, you might want to be second or third, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, go ahead and, and, and observe closely, but be able to react and executes um, very closely following that kind of that, that first mover, um, especially at you no know, well-established global, you know, recognized you know, company like WWE. So again, you know, July 21 happens. Later that month, beginning of the next month, a gentleman by the name of Gable Stevenson, who is a collegiate wrestler at the University of Minnesota, wins the Olympic gold medal yeah. in, in Tokyo. Youngest heavyweight um, American wrestling champion, uh, gold medalist in, in, in history. Um, and WWE, we had been talking to him prior to the Olympics about coming to WWE. He had a ton of suitors in the marketplace. Um, obviously us being one, there's, it was well-documented, you know, MMA, UFC, they, they were, they were after him, even NFL teams. There was a lot of talk. He's, he's a generational talent. He's also a pretty charismatic guy. And again, you don't get many gold medalists at that level, you know, competing collegiately. So really hot talent, really hot prospect. As soon as he wins gold, you know, we start, you know, re-engaging in discussions with, with himself, his manager, his family. And it was pretty apparent that, you know, his, he, via his, his parents you know, jointly, really wanted him to, to return to, to school and, and defend his national title. So he had won the national title um, the year prior. So we said, okay, uh, look, there's, there's an offer here to, you know, turn, turn pro now, substantial, uh, but we understand you want to go back to school. Of course, we respect that. We support it. NIL, right? So we said, this, this is not something that we've done, not something that, that you've done, that very few people have, right. but we think it can work. So we started to dive into the legalities of it, you know, being a, a, a sports league, let's say, um, but, um, you know, what proved to be a benefit for WWE, we're, you know, was actually, you know, kind of registered as an entertainment property, not necessarily a team or a sports league. So it didn't impact his eligibility, which was first and foremost. We couldn't do that. We knew we couldn't do that. And we found a way to roll him into the family at the UV and NIL agreement with, with an understanding that, that he would turn, you know, professional, when he turned professional, he, he would join the WWE ranks of which he's done. You know, he's, he's debuted on, on television and hopefully starting what will be a, a future um, career. But we, so we were able to execute that with Gable. Internally, it was received very well. Externally, it was viewed as really innovative um, in the marketplace. Oh, wow. WWE is recruiting talent via NIL. So at that point, I said, look, I think there's something here to where we don't just pick and choose. It's not just a one-off. I think we capitalize on this. I think we build out a program. I think we build out a program that is annually based. We we're bringing classes, cohorts uh, of athletes on, on a regular basis, biannual basis, and they roll into our developmental pipeline. Now, the types of talent that we'd be looking to, to sign at WWE wouldn't be your, you know, first round NFL draft picks. Right. They're your, you know, other 99% that, you know, aren't going pro potentially at, at their given sport and maybe aren't ready to take that, you know, corporate role. Yeah. Have something, right? Have, have to look, have it, have, a, you know, a social following, um, you know, have demonstrated some type of ability to, at some point in time, turn into, you know, a, a superstar for WWE. So as we start building out that first class, of course, we said, look, you know, we, we got to, we got to, you know put together kind of the right mix of, of athletes that, you know, checks the box of what we want the profile to look like, but also lands with our target audience. And, you know, I think objectively, you know, we, we identified that, look, maybe we weren't 
quite as relevant as we want it to be at WWE with the college athlete population, not just the athletes, but other stakeholders, whether it's managers, coaches, family members, agents. WWE wasn't viewed as, okay, that's the platform for me. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go pro, but you know, I, I'm not ready, no, I'm not ready to you know, put on a suit and tie yet. I think WWE is going to be my next stop. That wasn't a default action for college athletes. And we knew that because every first conversation we had, I never thought about that. <laughs> wow. You mean like the guys on TV, guys and, and, and women on TV, they were former college athletes? Yeah. And that's the thing that we kept on having to try to educate, you know, the audience in is that a majority of the talent that you see, uh, you know, on television, Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, were former college athletes, including current champions like Roman Reigns, Georgia Tech football, you know, Bianca Belair, University of Tennessee track and field. Of course, there's the, the more you know, even well-known data individuals like uh, Dwayne Johnson. Everyone knows that story. Stone Cold played college football. Undertaker played college basketball, right? So it goes decades and decades. So we knew there could be success. It had been demonstrated previously. How do you scale that, right? How do you put a program in place to where that is scaled and where that pipeline, you know, fills and refills on a regular basis? Also by, you know, by way of making WWE as a product as an entity more viable, more attractive to, to a younger audience. And that's, and that's where Next in Line came to be. Of course, we had to brand it. And NIL, name, image, likeness, or next in line for WWE. Mm -hmm. And now that program is a few classes in, upwards of, I think, 50 or 60 athletes um, with half a dozen plus, I think the number's probably in double digits now, who have transitioned to the developmental program based on Orlando, Florida, and are, you know, going through the steps and processes of, you know, becoming you know, a WWE talent. And uh, I don't know if you can answer this, but those NIL deals, are they pretty good for those athletes a part of that program? Like, what do, what do those look like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, they, they consist, you know, they, they consist of the range from you know, kind of low fit five figures to, to high five and even low six. So, you know, we would, we would sign athletes throughout their eligibility, you know, and that was, that was a goal too. I mean, look, a lot of it is, uh, of course, and we would dive into this and this is, you know, where, you know, part of the opportunity that I saw, especially early on in NIL, I think it's, it's quite apparent that a lot of the, the deals activations were transactional in nature. We didn't want it to be just that. We didn't want to just pay a college athlete to maybe join WWE when they finish school. And we wanted it to be professional development. So while they were in school and you know, still going through, you know, their 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 given sport and, and everything else, you know, we would bring them to shows. We'd bring you know athletes to major pay per views and you know, show them behind the scenes and meet with talent, meet with writers, give them public relations training. So they would start to see behind the curtain what it means to be a WWE athlete, but then also for them, you know, it's it's professional de uh, development tool. So whether or not they join WWE, they're benefiting something from it. So we wanted to ensure that they had enough time to do that. Uh, so a lot of the athletes that we would sign uh, were, you know, underclassmen in, in nature. So again, that, those deals would range from you know, kind of low five to to low six. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. That's what I what I would expect. And then obviously the you can, that's the pipeline, right? So once they're in, it's yeah. baked in, but, and you had mentioned yeah. the opportunity, which is honestly probably the perfect segue here. You know, when did you, in your mind start to be like, okay, Novo, like this, you know, when mm -hmm. did those ideas start to spare in your head? Like, wait a second here, this WWE thing's cool. I see the space, but like, this might be the opportunity for me. There's this huge gap. You know, what were some of those things? Yeah. I mean, look, you know, the, the success of the program um, was both 
you know, I think received really well externally, but but internally um, took on almost a life of its own in such a positive way that it became a majority of the work that I was doing and that, you know, the group that I uh, oversaw um, was doing on a regular basis. It was kind of constantly activating, finding, trying to find ways for WWE to engage within college athletics. So of course, NIL was at the forefront of that, but we also introduced um, again, this, this isn't necessarily groundbreaking to the larger industry as a whole, but for WWE, it was, so we would have regular tryouts that looked and felt a lot like, you know, open trials for, you know, for an NFL team or, you know, the combine process. So we started to introduce a lot of elements to WWE that were, were similar to more traditional sports and the focus being collegiate athletics. So that was, again, that became a, a majority of the work I was doing on, on a daily basis. And you're just getting to see the industry evolve rapidly up close and personal from uh, what was viewed as an industry leading perspective. It was just always in the back of my head um, around, you know, there's this, this is only growing. This is um, uh, increasingly a business, not just for enterprises, for individuals. You would see agencies, large agencies dip their toes, start to activate. You see smaller boutiques start to pop up, find early success. And again, the fact that, you know, I and WWE were, were, were in this space, you know, from the very, very beginning, I feel like there was you know, a lot of experience that I had that I could rely on. It's something that I've always had, you know, an entrepreneurial itch, I, I, you know, I've always been kind of a builder and I was, you know, fortunate to be, you know, at, at two places for, you know, my entire career, you know, for, you know, over 10 years, 13 years at UFC and WWE to where I was put in leadership positions to where we were building and we were you know, implementing new programs or new functions and new strategies. So that, that need to, to build and grow and create, you know, legacy, you know, um, legacy programs that, that was always there. And something that, again, I, it was always kind of fed, but then at some point too, you want to, you don't want to start to do, you know, something on, on, on your own right. and follow your own vision. And that's, <clears throat> like I said, the jump, like that's been hugely rewarding. And that was a motivating factor. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I started to, to think a lot about it. And then I started to, you know, see, look, is, is this viable? Right. You know, I'm a senior executive, you know, at, at a publicly traded company, you know, having a, have a family, um, a third child on the way next month. Right. So congrats. You know, thank you. Thank you. So I was going for the congrats. <laughs> so like stepping, you know, stepping away from that or starting a new venture to where you're starting from scratch risk, right? Risk, but is it justified? And so a lot of time reflecting on that and understanding what I want this agency to look like, how I want to operate, um, what I feel, you know, certain you know, metrics of, of, of growth need to look like, you know, for, you know, for myself and the agency to continue to find success. And every, every day would go by and I would, I would challenge it in turn. Right. So I, I would poke holes, right. Okay. This is, this is, you know, what I want to do. This is what I think, you know, um, would be, would be you know, interesting to do and build, but like, does it make sense financially from a business perspective. So I would challenge it every day. I would say, well, that's not going to work because, you know, this is happening or you're, you're, you're late here. So, you know, that may not be the right path. You may be, you know, kind of cornered out a bit, but truthfully, every, every day, every week, I would challenge it. I would, I would find the answers like, ah, no, you know, no, I think, I think that doesn't make sense. I think this will work for this reason. And each day went by, I started to feel more, more motivated and invigorated by it. I said, no, this, this is it. And gosh, you can't go a week you know, now or a day really without a headline across college sports business. Yeah. You know, a lot of it, you know, it recently has been you know, pretty negative, especially around a lot of the you know, re realignment.
but you know, look, wh- how, however, whatever sort of defense you're on, you, you, it's inarguable that the business of college sports, the business is, is evolving to a degree to where, uh, I mean, it, it, it looks nothing like it did five years ago, two years ago, nothing like it will in two years or five years. And the experience that I had, you know, on, on, in it, on the brand side, you know, again, just it, it, it um, it gave me a degree of confidence and, and desire to, to want to operate in that. So yeah, look, I said, look, this is, this is the time. And then again, I started to understand, okay, this is, you know, what, what, what is it? How is it differentiated, which we can, you know, dive into, you know, at some point too, but you know, how is it? Let's do it. You know, how is it uh, meaningful? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, how, I, I mean. Yeah. I mean, look, so I, 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 I kind of mentioned at the top too, it's like a lot of the, you would see a lot of the big agencies, you know, kind of you know, drop in and, you know, for the most part, and it kind of still, I think, you know, remains as, as, as this in terms of a status for big agencies is your top prospects, right? Particularly around football and, and, and basketball. So trying to build those relationships at, at an earlier stage and, and invest in those clients earlier on. That's on, you know, the, the athlete side and the course you see, you know, the, the influencer side, so kind of your, but your macro influencers, not to, you know, not just the, the micro, which I know you've, you've, you know, provide a lot of input on and certainly agree with, but on the macro side, you know, all the way from your, the Cavenders, as, as, as you mentioned, that was a part of the WWE program to, you know, Olivia Dunn and, and, and individuals like that to where, I mean, their, their following is so vast and grand. Um, I mean, they're that, bigger than know, most pro athletes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that it makes a ton of sense for your larger, well-established agencies to, to, you know, to operate at, at that level. But what I think what, what is, is pretty clear and certainly what, what I, you know, saw from my perspective, you know, at, while at WWE is the, the other, the other side of the athletes that, you know, maybe aren't, you know, your, your starting players on, on your, your football teams, or maybe they're not at a power five or power four, and I guess it's a power four now, maybe they're not at a power four, so they don't have the internal NIL support. You know, they don't have a bunch of different agencies knocking down their door, trying to procure marketing opportunities for them, let alone provide the other services that, you know, are, in my opinion, required as an agency these days, which you need to be diversified. It can't just be contract negotiation and and procuring endorsement deals, it needs to be, you know, 360. And, you know, that, that, that talent pool is, is literally tens of thousands of, of athletes. So the, the opportunity was there to start to, in my opinion, work with more you know, developing athletes that again, are, you know, day one NFL draft picks. So there's, there's, I think there's that opportunity. I think the, the other thing too, is a, you know, a, a lot of the early success, um, that, you know, that campaigns had in the industry. Um, and a lot of them, I think were you know, delivered by, you know, like called tech marketplaces, tech-based marketplaces, like an open doors influencer. A lot of those campaigns, you know, were, were facilitated by those type of marketplaces, but, and this thing is moving so fast. I, I, again, my point of view is that it's not, it's not sustainable or optimal for individuals to you know, execute on opportunities themselves. There's exceptions. You know, some individuals may have the ability to, to manage all that it, it is being a college athlete and build a business. Um, I, but I think those are exceptions, not the rules. And I think the rules are, you know, that, you know, agencies, whether large or small, still serve a purpose, more of a purpose in college athletics than ever before. And they'll continue to grow. But that's on the athlete side. And then on the brand side, look, and this is, you know, this is interesting. I think a key, kind of key differentiating point is that a lot of the, a lot of the headlines in NIL come for your national campaigns, national brand deals, but the majority of the activity is actually locally and region, right? And, you know, a lot of those local businesses and regional businesses, 
you know, they, they have yeah, at times relied on collectives to execute them and, you know, that works, but just like internal athletic departments and the NIL, you know, groups that sit with them, there's, there's a capacity of resources. For the most part, those resources are dedicated to your major revenue, you know, generating sports. Same thing with collectives. So, you know, let's say you're a local business or, or a regional business and you're looking to identify an athlete, execute it, you know, a campaign, ideate a campaign and then execute it, deliver it, measure it. How are you doing that? You, if you're a small local business, you probably don't have the personnel that have you know, worked in that uh, industry prior. So you're, you know, you're, you're kind of out on your own. You may have an interest you know, in, in a certain sport. You may really want to support your local university, but how are you doing that? I think it's a massive gap that then needs to be filled. And again, I think collectives are, are you know, are, do a lot of good work there and they're certainly not going away. You know, I think collectives, you know, eventually probably roll into university, you know, marketing, you know, arms and, and, and departments. And I think that's the right direction for that. But again, I just think there's so much volume that other service-based organizations uh, will be a value add. So those were a couple, you know, kind of first, you know, first identifying opportunities that I saw at, at you know, for the agency um, that, yeah, I mean, look, I, and I think it's already been validated by a lot of the conversations that I'm having right now. It's, just this morning, talking to, you know, a, a um, and we'll get into you know, kind of my, you know, the target athletes too. I, I'd like to dive into that. Talking to a, you know, a highly ranked golf and, you know, conference champion. And, you know, what, what are you looking for, you know, from, for support or representation or service? I don't even know. Like, I mean, I, I see it happening in other sports, I, I guess, you know, brand deals. And like, what about this? What about this? Yeah, it'd be helpful to have that too. I just think there's still the, the, the athlete population as a whole has been underserved thus far. I think there's been a lot of, you know, companies and initiatives, you know, that have been implemented that support and understandably in this service, the universities or conferences or, or brands, but on the athlete side, again, you have your exceptions that have done well from, from jump. The majority of athletes in my opinion are, are underserved. So, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that, especially when you have payments coming from collective side and then you also have brand deals. And then now this whole equity component of athletes wanting equity, some of them wanting to invest, just more cash. Also interesting too, a lot of people don't think about is like an NIL because you're in schooling, everything's paid for. So you don't really have any expenses either. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you're making, let's just say six figures in NIL, that goes a lot further than that, you know, pro athlete that just made the practice squad in the NFL that's getting the same because they still have all, they now have all their expenses. Uh, yeah, 100%. Which is, which is but, but in terms yeah. of your athletes, yeah, go into that a little bit more of who you're targeting and some yeah. of the things you're trying to do because it seems like you have a pretty, I, well, I guess we'll call it a niche of like who you're even going after. Yeah, look, I, I, I certainly view it. And I would say this, the agency in terms of, you know, the target athletes, I would say it would be sport agnostic, right? Like, well, you know, it, if it makes sense, there's a fit, you know, where I'm not overly particular. What I would say is that the, the, there are two sports that uh, the agency is, we're going to spend a lot of time and, and effort and resources in, in terms of building inroads. And, you know, they're, again, in my opinion, have been, been underserved, you know, in the, in the industry thus far and, you know, really relative to kind of two really key criteria. Um, and those are criteria essentially this, the, the college sports system very clearly serves as the talent development pathway to their professional counterpart here, here domestically in the U.S. Well, two, that they are professionally very established commercial entities um, with, with decades of demonstrable success. Those sports are baseball and goal. 
Now, again, I'm kind of removed football and basketball from the equation because, again, I, I wouldn't say those are those are clearly the 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 most served, you know, sport and athlete populations within the industry. Relative to those criteria in terms of baseball, college, college baseball players, a majority of college, excuse me, a majority of major league baseball players played collegiately. I mean, I'll get into some of the, you know, finer points on that too. And obviously major league baseball and baseball has been established you know, entity here, um, you know, for, for generations golf as well. Right. So, you know, now they're, you know, is college baseball and college golf followed as much, um, or, you know, the recipient has as much attention both from a consumer standpoint and from a brand standpoint as football and basketball, certainly not, but from a professional standpoint, you know, they're, they're in, they're in the major four, major five, you don't see a ton of activity NIL related for baseball players, for golfers. Why is that? You know, especially on, on, on golf. I mean, look, there's a few different factors in golf. There's a current generation that's at the top of the sport. Scheffler, Rom, Morikawa, uh, Victor Hovland, who just won the tour championship this weekend. Right? Victor Hovland was playing for Oklahoma State four or five years ago, and now he's at the top of the sport. So there's, there's a new generation at the top of the sport that was just playing high-level collegiate golf. So there's a very clear um, linear pathway from success from college golf to professional golf. Again, you, you, you name a golfer, the majority of them played collegially. Um, and there's also a relevance to, to the sport and in some kind of weird, strange way. And I feel like golf is having a moment, right? I mean, again, it's, it goes back quite literally generations, but even little anecdotal, you know, things like what Steph Curry has done with the sport, mm-hmm. like the, the shine that he has put on the sport, th- those things add up. Every other post on DJ Khaled's Instagram is golf late? The dude is obsessed. Yeah. You know, again, the, the relevance of, of the sport, in my opinion, anecdotally, has not been greater since the peak of Tiger. You even have like an athlete like J.R. Smith going back to college to play golf, right? So there's a real interest, and, and I think it's growing in that capacity. You know, the, the, the PGA and, and NCAA interest, introduced something new a couple of years ago called PGA Tour University to where there's, again, more clear linear pathway from the top amateurs collegiately and automatically qualifying for the PGA tour, uh, which is, 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 has done wonders for them. And, you know, it obviously they've been reaping those rewards already. And look, I think there's obviously the interest around the live merger. So, you know, commercially from a business perspective, you know, there's just a lot of movement towards golf. And then on the baseball side, look, I mean, this past college world series, it was 50% increase year over year in terms of ratings, viewership. That game one between LSU and Florida was the highest rated College World Series baseball game on ESPN's platform in history. They also just um, introduced something different to the MLB draft a couple of years ago um, in terms of the format, shortened the amount of rounds. I don't know if you remember, like, man, it, it's, I remember as a kid growing up, like the, you could be drafted like 1780th player drafted in the 19th round. It's like, oh, okay. Um, so I got a show. Those days are gone. It's shorter. They, they moved it in the, in the calendar started to get more kind of TV appeal. But the biggest factor is, and again, this, I think this is happening right before our eyes right now. You're having athletes who were drafted this year already called up to the big leagues. And that was biggest, one of the biggest drawbacks, I think, developmentally for baseball, that you'd have your top picks from the you know, collegiate space or even you know, high school kids, you know, spending four, five, six years in the minors in, you know, Altoona. You lose touch as a, as a consumer, as a fan. Hey, I, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan. It's like, I, I, I can't tell you where, you know, these handful of athletes that I grew up watching played ball. Like uh, they, they played ball when they started playing for the Yankees. Yep. 
that that's that changes. Like you know, with with the with the guys coming out of LSU this year, you know, number one and number two picks, um, they're already at Double A. You know, I think there was an athlete that was drafted by the Angels this year. He's already playing in the big leagues. So having that success and again proving that collegiate athletes, uh, collegiate athletics is the is the proven pathway um, to find success from the major leagues. I think that's going to go a long way for for attention um, collegially for for baseball, not just from brands but consumers, but from athletes as well. So again, those are two sports that again have been in existence, right? You know, and established for, for all of our lifetimes and right. and our the preceding ones. But in my opinion, have been underserved both from the industry, but from again like the services agency perspective, and just from national and, and regional brands. And again, that's been validated by the conversations I've had, um, you know, thus far with athletes. It's like, yeah, I just I've not had activity, you know, I've, I've not had interest. Um, well, look at you know that that should change. It will change, but let's accelerate that. And how much of this is talent identification for you too, then, yeah. especially in those yeah. type of sports? A lot, but I love it, and that's that's one of. That's probably, probably an underlying reason and why I've kind of taken this approach. You, you know, back to my days at UFC, you know, towards the end of my tenure there, you know, overseeing essentially the athlete, you know, development pathway for, for UFC and you know, internationally focuses this element of talent ID. You know, where I actually rebranded the, the function at WWE to, to athlete ID, talent ID, you know, with, which didn't, didn't exist prior because you know, that's, that is what the business is, right? You're, you're only as good as the next generation of, of talent coming through the pipeline. And, and, and I enjoyed it. And, and, I, and I do. Um, so uh, I spent a ton of time, you know, obviously looking up and doing my research, understanding where an athlete comes from, where their projections are, or why are they not in the top 10 or top 50, or top 100? You know, what's, what's missing? Well, what's, what's right? What's their overall profile? You know, where are they at in their career? Um, so I, I love that part. And a lot of, you know, the work, in you know building your your client base and, and your stable obviously is is outreach and you know, who who you reach out to and and when and how is is the game and I'll be doing that every single day that that I spend building this thing out and I love it that's awesome and are you I'm assuming yeah. now you're rolling like you're live but did you come with yeah. a few clients right into it like is it you know really like you're already rolling no I didn't come with any clients into it you know way to kind of you know go live you know from publicly and, and, you know, get some media traction and, and show some kind of validity to it. But, you know, on a daily basis now having multiple conversations with athletes and we'll be, you know, bringing on and, and, you know, kind of announcing our, our first clients here probably, you know, in September. So next month, but you know, next, next week. So, you know, very early on finding, finding success and having the right conversations with the right types of athletes that we want to bring on. And again, too, it's athlete focused, but we'll, we'll start to have some conversations with some of those, you know, uh, more regional based brands that are looking to, um, to find, you know, ways to have a campaign within the collegiate space. Makes sense. Yeah. No, James, it's been awesome. I guess kind of as we close out here, if there's, I mean, I think we've gone through everything, but if there's anything else you want to touch on that we've missed or, or you want to talk about that you think is important. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, I think, I think the kind of question that everyone wants to, to figure out and enhance you know, themselves, but that everyone's asking a, a of anyone in the industry is like, what, what, what's next? What do you see? Where are the trends? What's the direction? Um, you know, on, on the agency side, you know, the college sports side, look, I mean, it's, it's something that obviously is monitored on a daily basis by everyone in the industry. I think on the agency side, you'll continue to see consolidation, you know, across you know, the, the big agencies, either looking to add, you know, volume in terms of their roster as they diversify their sport portfolio. Or, or services. And I think, I think that's an important part too here is like, you know, the services 
that you need to provide both again, as, as a big shop or a small shop, like that's, that's your differentiating point. But in reality, it's an arms race and it's a copycat industry, right? right. So everyone is, is, is chasing the same level of support that they're able to provide their athletes. So I think you'll continue to see that type of consolidations, but at this point, Let's say, you know, if, if you're of the camp, they're like, okay, you're, the, the athlete is the, the CEO of the business or the athlete is the product of the business. Then as the agency, you, you need, you can't just be the CFO anymore or you can't just be the CLO anymore. You need to be the CMO, the COO, the CTO, right? You need to be the C-suite for that athlete. And if you don't have that service provision capability as an agency, I think you're going to fall behind. But you've seen a lot of boutique shops, again, kind of already find success. Um, I think you'll continue to see a lot of discussion around you know, regulation w within the NIL space and legislation, where that, where that's going to go. Um, I think the, the more, the better, right? So hopefully not harmful, you know, do we get it at the federal level? You know, I, I don't know. Do we get it from the NCAA? Probably unlikely. At some point it will come. And I think again, you know, the, it's for the long term, it, it will serve the industry, um, to, to have, you know, um, certain barriers in place and, and, and policies in place. But again, I mean, look, that's been one of the one of the negative kind of you know, standpoints in the hub NIL and, and, you know, where the, the, the hesitance has come, you know, from a lot of, you know, different right. brands and entities participating in it. So, you know, look, that, that's what I say is that, you know, look, look out for that. Obviously that'll have a massive impact. And look, I, I do think that you'll start to see a lot of support for the athletes in terms of whether it's a, a product um, based organization or service based organization enter collegiate sports. Again, I, th I think, you know, early on, you saw an onslaught of some that were tech-based. Um, you know, obviously I, you know, I, I view it, I view it as an opportunity as someone who's been, you know, in, this, in the industry for, for over a decade, I think you'll see a lot of others. And yeah, look, I, I, I view it as, as a differentiator for, for Noble Sports, but the fact that we're a, we're a startup, we're a boutique, right. yes. Um, but bringing to the table decade plus years of experience from operating in the called locker room, weight room, I mm -hmm. e you know, working directly with the athlete all the way to the boardroom. So as an executive committee member, you know, to, you know, globally recognized, you know, brands and properties and understanding, you know, what types of conversations take place, you know, inside of boardroom, but also from the athlete's perspective, what are they looking for for an organization? So in terms of the services provided, uh, there's, there's nothing that, or very little that I myself, you know, and then you know, by virtue of, you know, our agency has not, um, has not experienced. So yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's been rewarding and fruitful thus far. And, uh, yeah, and look, I appreciate the conversation and shining some light in. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Congrats again on, uh, launching the third kid coming and, uh, what is it? That's it. Novosportsgroup.com or what's the website socials where you guys have to find some more. That's it. Novosportsgroup.com, Novosportsgroup on, and socials. Awesome. That's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Love it. Thanks. Well, yeah. James, appreciate you coming Andrew, on, brother. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we can touch. Right on. Take care.